my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited today to be here with Vanessa Martinez. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Dr. Greenwood. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. Vanessa is a 2015 graduate of our program and is currently the product marketing manager for TrustU. Um, so we're going to get there and you're going to tell us all about what TrustU does. Um, I know that you guys are, are big in, in um, the hospitality world. And so you'll get a chance to tell us all about um, what TrustU does and, and your experience um, working with them. But uh, let's go back in time. A, a bit, um, not that far. I know you were saying beforehand that you uh, you're, you're feeling old when you when you talk to me and I tell you how old my kids are. <laughs> but um, uh, where, where were you, where did you grow up, Vanessa? I was born and raised, and still currently live in San Diego, California. Right on, living the dream in San mm -hmm. Diego, huh? Yeah, one of the few that is, you know, born and bred. I feel like we get a lot of transplants, so it's it's been great to see the city progress. And just as I get older, I bet, I bet. And you know, I think it's an exciting time. You know, me as a sports guy, um, I think it's an exciting time to be in San Diego with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, lighting up the ML, uh, Major League Baseball down yes. there. He, he might as well be the San Diego mascot at this point. I mean, there's you can't you can't walk anywhere in this city without someone bringing it up or not knowing who he is. So I, it is very exciting for us, especially with you know if for those who are baseball fans probably know the Padres have been a uh, you know probably a little under uh, underachievers yeah. uh, the last couple decades at least. Um, yeah, but we, long, we have a great. Yeah, long, long struggling, long struggling franchise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's been since the days of Tony Gwynn that there was a whole lot of excitement in uh, San Diego for baseball. But yeah, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. and um, the young players there really have um, really have uh, sparked um, some excitement in Major League Baseball. So I was kind of thinking that it, you might feel it there on the ground there in, in San Diego. So it's cool to hear that that, that is the case. Well, um, we so feel it. <laughs> you feel it. You know, well, I talk about in my sports classes that that um, that energy and excitement that sport can can um, can bring um, to a city, to to a state, to, you know, a country when we're talking Olympics. Right. But um, uh, or World Cup or something big on the world stage there. So that that's totally cool. Uh, tell me what you what it was like growing up there in San Diego. You know, obviously I've been and and I would think that most of our, our uh, listeners have have been to San Diego and have visited, but what's it like? What was it like to grow up there? I mean, I, I don't think I realized how spoiled I really was until you start traveling elsewhere and you get older right. to like appreciate your, you know, your home. I feel like when you're younger, you just want to go other places and see other things. And then as I get older now, I'm like, I cannot wait to go home. Like, it's just, you know, it is the perfect, everyone jokes. It's like, it's 75 degrees all year round. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, it's, right. But you know, it's very similar to the central coast, you know, beautiful weather, great right. tourism aspect. You have right. so many people coming from so many different places, transplants from the East coast, from the Midwest, mm -hmm. just, you know, people who have made their way out here. So it's, 
It's been a, a very interesting, especially to see it progress, you know, from what things I remember when I was a kid to of what they course. look like now in areas that maybe didn't have housing are now completely full of, you know, right. complexes or sports, you know, talking the sports subject, we lost the chargers a few years ago yeah, to course, go up to yeah. LA. And so it's just, it's been really unique kind of seeing things progress over, you know, my 28 years of just, right. wow, like this is something that I remember doing as a kid that's no longer here or even vice versa, something that was, you know, fully vacant or empty that now has life to it. Right, right. And and I I, I totally understand what you mean with the, the spoiled nature. You know, I just got, got back from a um, seven day 17 day trip to North Carolina and it, and it was great seeing friends and family and, and really enjoyed it. But, you know, hundred percent humidity in the, in the middle of uh, <laughs> late July and August there in North Carolina. It's like, Oh my God, I'll step off the plane. And I'm like, Oh, a little right. chilly here and slow. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I didn't feel chilly at all while I was in North Carolina. That's for sure. But, um, so, uh, what, what did your, what did your parents do while you were growing, when you were growing up? Yeah. So my dad was a union grocery worker and he actually retired when I was fairly young, I'd say maybe 13, 14 years old. So he's, you know, been retired for the most of my life now. Um, but my right. mom works for a hospital here in San Diego on the administrative side. So oh, between right their schedules, I always, you know, had a, like maybe a parent home or, you know, very few times that I have to mm -hmm. go to like those relatives. So they always, uh, they always made it work to where at least one of them was with me and, you know, we got to do the fun things and right. the after school things and before school things. So it was great. Awesome. What's your dad? What's your dad enjoying his retirement? What's his what's his jam? Oh my gosh. So he recently, he's always been a gym guy, but he recently oh. got a Peloton. I think oh, most boy, people yeah. jumped on that train. Um, yeah, but, I wish I could have foreseen that and bought some stock there. Right. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But it's, you know, he could go, you know, 90 minutes, two hours just listening to, you know, classic rock on the Peloton out in the garage. Uh -huh. yeah. He loves just he loves just being outside. He loves watching Sports Center. I mean, all uh, of the things that he gotcha. could probably would fit in when he could is now just, you know, his, his day to day. That's so. every day. Right. I <laughs> yeah. love it. That's Living awesome. the life. Living the life. Well, well, what, uh, any, any siblings or, or are you an only child? I do. I have a half sister. Um, oh, cool. she is actually 13 years older than me. So we have a pretty oh. significant gap. And I always like to explain yeah. it as like when I was going into kindergarten, she was graduating high school. So it's like right. we never had like the sibling fights. I was never in her closet stealing clothes, you know. Right. So I was just, you know, this little kid that she had around that was just, you know, right. enamored with her and that she got to play with. So of course. It's, been, it's been a pretty interesting, you know, I think back to like where I was at my life when she was my age and yeah. just different things. And looking at that age gap now, I'm like, wow, that actually is pretty significant. <laughs> right, right. And now is she, is she still in San Diego or do she you get is. to see her? She is in San Diego oh, and cool. she has my beautiful niece who will be 13 here soon, who also oh, makes wow. me feel old. Right. Um, but yeah, right. it's uh, most of my family is actually still here in San Diego, which is super lucky for me. Uh, I mean, especially right. just with the cost of living here, it's a miracle that we're all still here. So. Of course. Yeah, of course. Well, that's really interesting timing. Cause you know, I was telling you off air, uh, that, that we dropped, um, 
we dropped our kids off at school for the first time in two years. Our kids were all virtual last year. And, um, and, and I actually saw one of our former students and, and she said, um, she has the same gap in between kids and she was dropping a kindergartner off. And she said her, her oldest started senior year in high school today and her youngest started kindergarten. And she was like, so that's the, the same, the same age difference there, but she, yeah. but it was, it was funny I mean, that that's like starting all over you're like i know one, that's what she said to start one all over again <laughs> yeah that's what she said she was like great planning huh we were like yeah you know you get to do it all over again uh that's exciting but um so what were you like growing up what were you into um there in san diego all the sports all i got sports. put into softball when i was four i played soccer i feel like every kid plays soccer like that fake soccer where you kind of just run around and like uh-huh. you kind of kick it you play with the daisies all that uh-huh. um, everybody runs I, to the it's like the bumblebee factor right it's like there's just yeah. a cuddle of kids around the ball and you can't even see the ball yeah exactly but the ones that i stuck with um were softball and volleyball so i played yeah. travel softball and club volleyball through high school Mm-hmm. And I was just very, I was very competitive and very internally oh, driven. Yeah. And that was my outlet. Like academically, yeah. I was set. I was, you know, thankfully had a great support system at home that helped me, you know, learn time management and organization. So a lot of my time could be dedicated to like another competitive outlet, which was competitive sports. And then right. I got to college and I was like, you know, I just want to do this for fun now. Like yeah. intramural is great for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Well, well, you know, um, down South, when you say Cal Poly, you think of a different, a different Cal Poly. Um, yep. uh, I made the mistake once at, uh, at Pomona, uh, a conference at Pomona calling them the other Cal Poly and everyone in the room was like, Ooh, and I yeah, was like, oh, like okay, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, but, um, uh, so, so how did you, how did you hear about, um, how'd you hear about us? How'd you hear about, um, the Cal Poly, Cal the Poly, Cal San Poly. Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. yeah. The Ohio State's going to be mad we're calling it that. But, I um, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was actually really interesting. I When I was graduating high school, I really didn't have a set, like, you know, those people who are like, I'm going to be an engineer or I'm going to be a doctor or, I'm, you know, they have this plan. And I was like, I'm not really sure. So right. I looked at Colleges. I knew I wanted to stay in California, looked in colleges up and down the coast, um, inland a little bit, all over the place. And I knew my um, upper classmates had gone to Cal Poly, heard great things about it. So I was applying to like English at this school, environmental science at that school. Like there was nothing that was really truly speaking to me. Um, And when I got to, you know, A, learning about Cal Poly, I was like, yes, I want to apply. But reading about, you know, RPCA, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is actually really, like really interesting. And like the way it was, and I mean, it's, it's actually a very minimal description that you guys get to like basically, you know, promote the major, but I just remember being like this one paragraph was like, cool. Like that's the one I want. So I picked that one. And it was one of those things where it was kind of a trick of fate because I didn't ever actually step foot onto the campus until I, after I had already accepted. Oh, wow. Okay. I was like purely going on faith at this point. I was like, it's going to be great. Right. It's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting that, you know, I did know people who had gone, but it wasn't really something that I was like, that's the school I'm going there. And right. then it just, you know, now everyone I talk to, I'm like, no, you have to go there. 
Like right. I'm able to now be that person for other people. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you don't want to buy a house sight unseen, you know, if you don't have to, but but you you made a good choice. <laughs> sure did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about your 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 time here at Cal Poly. You know, most of most of my guests uh, on the podcast obviously are students who um, were highly involved and 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 you know really lived that learn by doing spirit. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the things, I mean, you know, you, you were, you were in school when I, when I was working on, on writing, when Dr. Schwab and I were working on writing the book on learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things that we discovered, um, well, it wasn't really that we discovered it, but one of the things that we found was that, you know, learn by doing is ultimately what you make of it. You know I mean? We can, um, it benefits, everyone because you know when you when you go out and you're you're applying for a job the fact that that Cal Poly's name and that that understanding with employers that we have a learn by doing philosophy that that advantages you um, but there are still a number of students who don't take advantage of it here you know they're they're like me in college they drink their way through or party <laughs> party their way through college you know and don't really take advantage but uh, most of the people that I talk to on the podcast um, are ones that really took advantage of it and I know from from experience that you were one of those um, can you can you think about your time at Cal Poly and and um, highlight a couple of things that you did that you think really uh, were advantageous to you in in your professional career? Absolutely. I mean, the learn by doing philosophy is something that I mean, I don't understand how other colleges don't have it. Like once you go through it, you're like, so you're telling me you just sit here and read about it and take a test on it. And that's that, like, that's your grade. Like, right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me, but, but going through it, I mean, I think there was so many things that maybe at the time while I was doing it was like, how is this relevant? Like you, you Uh don't necessarily in the moment, like click or you're like, yes, like I read about this. So maybe this is the way it implements. But then you think about it later, like even walking away from the experience and you're like, do you know how much teamwork we just had to do? Or do you know how much problem solving we just had to do? But just because it's not like being put in front of you, like an assignment or coursework, you're not really, you know, just because it's not written down doesn't mean you're not learning anything from it. Right. So I think one of my my favorite um, events that I got to do was our PTA 210 event planning. We got to actually execute, plan and execute in coordination with an organization. Um, my group was with Project Surf Camp up in Morro Bay. Oh, right on. Yeah, that's such a great, great organization. And it was just one of the, I remember... <laughs> So for background, for those who don't know, Project Surf Camp is a surf camp up in Morro Bay, California, and it is not only for those children who maybe have a developmental disability or a physical disability, but it also is inclusive of the siblings. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, I don't, I hate the word normal. So like bodily able to do things, usually Mm -hmm. they have to go to separate camps. You have one camp that is for, you know, the special populations and one that is for, you know, the general population. This was one that, you know, was family friendly, bring all kids, all sorts of abilities, all sorts of accessibilities. And there was one surfer at the very end who got up on a board for like the first time. He was the sweetest little boy. He had down syndrome. And I just remember standing in the water, just crying. I was like, there is, 
There is no way I was getting away from that experience yeah. without feeling some deep emotion and it <laughs> yeah. hit me like that last. Oh my gosh. Oh, I bet. It, You're it making me a, cry and I wasn't I even there. <laughs> it was, you know, it was it was a yeah. fundraiser just so that they could, you know, continue camps and to get resources. They had a great amount of volunteers, but it also takes, you know, the boards and wetsuits and things that these kids, mm-hmm. you know, need to utilize for the experience. And it was just Oh my gosh. And, you know, the organizational leaders were just fantastic and so appreciative, but they also Mm -hmm. pushed us, you know, it was remember what you're doing this for. Like, Mm -hmm. I know for you, it's a class, but for us, this is Mm -hmm. our program. This is what these kids do. These are what these families depend on. So you do feel like the weight of it as well, whilst you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, um, one of the things that I, that I think is so valuable from those experiences is, is, is realizing how much goes in to the, the organization, the planning and execution of it. And, um, you know, you just think, oh, I'll put on an event. Like, yeah, oh, you know, what, what, how much can there be to putting on an event? And then you get into the nitty gritty of that 210 and you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot that goes into yeah. it, a lot more than, than you realize. And, um, and so I think that's, you know, that's one of the things that, that is so valuable about, about learn by doing. So when you think about your, your four years here in San Luis Obispo, is there, is there a, a moment or a time that, that sticks out, you know, whether it be like a sunset hike of bishops or, uh, you know, something, something special like that, that really stands out for you? Yeah, I think, you know, and I mean, there's a million, but one for me is I remember, um, it was my fourth year of college, my senior year, getting ready to just, you know, I was like, I'm going to live up this year. You know, it's my last one here. And I feel like it goes by so much faster than you can ever imagine. And yeah, I had um, become very close friends with a couple in San Luis Obispo. They kind of took us under their wing. It was like they just abandoned this group of misfits that was, you know, they're abandoned, adopted in this group of misfits. (laughs) Um, And I called them my slow parents. And Mm -hmm. they were huge athletic supporters. They had tailgates. They got, you know, season tickets for basketball, baseball. But I was standing at, I don't know if it was the last home game tailgate of that year, but I just looked around and it was, you know, a night game. So you're watching the sunset over at the stadium over there and you're, mm-hmm. you have all these other tailgaters. And I just had this moment where I'm standing there and I'm like, this is like what I came here for. Like I cultivated yeah. a family up here with experiences that I'll never forget. And like, I mean, yeah. yes, you're there for the education, but I think you learn so much outside of the classroom as well, that it was just this moment of like, just pure moment of, wow, like, this has been, you know, so far three years, but the best years of my life, like just the community that you're a part of, especially just San Luis Obispo as a whole is just, I mean, I feel, you know, sometimes I would feel bad for sure for the residents who are just like, Oh, here comes another wave of college kids or here comes another wave of this. But I mean, so many people are just so welcoming. And I mean, it's, you know, it's the heartbeat of slow. Right. Well, um, what, what a, what a great story. And, um, that, that's, uh, you know, you look around and you, you felt, you felt that community and, and feeling a part of something is such a core element of, of what we hold dear uh, as people. And I, I think, um, you know, during the pandemic, I, I think one of the things that, that really, um, that, that really gave me hope um, is hearing about these little, these pods that developed, you know, like in neighborhoods where, where people really, 
really got back to that community aspect and um and wow it's it is so special and just thinking about you had me visualizing there with you and then it was almost like i was there with you when you were telling that story and thinking about how special that must feel and you know that's one of the things that i've i've struggled with a little bit over the years with um with some college towns is that it feels like there's there's almost like this you know they call it town gown relations and, <laughs> yes. and town gown relations are sometimes fractured um and you know for, for you know in some cases i understand it because you know people don't want college kids like back when i was in school you know puking on their front lawn or <laughs> or you know uh knocking on their door yeah. at like 4 a.m because they're at the wrong door not that i did that i didn't do that but that that's an example you as know. an example right? as an example <laughs> right but um but you know i for me i just feel like it's like if you live in a college town you know that's the the part of it is is um engaging you you want that that youth and that spirit of youth and so i i love your story of having slow parents and i i love i love when the, when the community embraces the college it's so great and I, I feel that here in san luis obispo with cal poly we're, we're such a so ingrained in the community so let's talk a little bit you know one of uh, uh one of the main uh, sources of, of audience for for the podcast is is current students right so they love hearing about internships and how you got your internship and what you did and um and I, and I know you had a, a really fun one that that led to a, a full-time job after after school so why don't you tell us about how you got your internship and um and what what, what that was like yeah, so I was a special events intern for the San Luis Obispo Downtown Association, now called Downtown Slow. Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting there like the first week winter quarter, and it was my last quarter of you know classroom classes, and then you know I was off to an internship, or at least that was you know the goal. Right. And I actually went to Dr. Rue. And she sat me down. She's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't, I was just so desperate. She's like, you don't have to be. She's like, you have time, you, like do what you want to do because you know, this could be like a pivotal moment of like, do you right. like this? No, if not great. We'll change when, you know, change the wind and like go somewhere else. And she gave me a few contacts that she hadn't, you know, we've had students go before. And so I reached out to them specifically because, and for students who don't know, they run farmer's market. So, you know, classic Thursday night events yeah. in the summer, they have concerts in the plaza. They do the holiday parade, Santa's house, tree lighting all in the winter, all the special events at farmer's market. So it's actually, they do so much for such a lean team. And I was like, okay, yeah. that that's what interested me. So yeah. get involved. And next thing you know, you can be downtown Brown. <laughs> walking, walking around in a bear suit. You know? I did, I will. I will admit to wearing that head around the office a few times just for fun. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, and I, you know, went in for what I expected to. Have, I was, you know, you're nervous, like in like business formal, and they come out in like some slacks and a nice shirt, and they're like, "Hey, come on in," like very casually. Not again. Disclaimer: not to say everyone's experience will be like this, but right, right. Just, you know, they had you know great questions, and I think everything I had learned and done up to that point prepared, prepared me very well for it. And like, okay, great. So they're like, you're doing like the 400 hours. Like, yeah. And they're like, okay, great. Like they had already had students before. So like, I know there's, you know, paperwork for us to fill out and sign and like, just send that our way. I'm like, can you start on this day? Which was, you know, the first day of spring quarter. And I was like, yeah. 
So That's awesome. I, I got to do all of the spring events at um, downtown Slow Farmers Market that. So they had, um, I th- gosh, I wish I remembered all of their names exactly, but it was the Easter-based events and Mother's Day flowers and downtown Brown's birthday is every May. We celebrate it every time. He yeah. always turns 16. Ah. I don't know why they chose that number. It's always the sweet 16. <laughs> That's, um, funny. That's funny. But it was just a great way for me to also just give back and love a community that had loved me so much was participating mm. in these things that, yeah, I had gone to farmers and yes, I had gone to these things, but you don't actually notice some of the events, especially, you know, the ones that are geared towards kids and family. Right. right. So to finally go and be a part of something and like wear the shirt with like the logo on it and like yeah. be a part of something, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is really cool. Yeah. And it was, I mean, one of the most rewarding 10 weeks I could have ever asked for from a group of people and from an organization. So yeah, of course. And, and, you know, um, Obviously, you know from experiencing it that one of the uh, one of our incentives for structuring the the internship, like we do, you know, as a final terminal experience for students, is the idea that you could then step in to a full time position. And you were, um, you know, we have a lot of students that that end up. Um, you know, they, they impress, they impress the people they're working with so much in, in most, on most occasions that they either create a position for them or they help them get a position somewhere else. And, and you were one of the ones that was lucky enough to stick around slow for an extra year or so and, and have a full-time position. So, um, why don't you tell, uh, tell everyone what that was like. Yeah, I did. I was, I was very lucky. Um, I, you know, I graduated and I did actually come back to San Diego. I, you know, got just a, like a very, I call it like a mild summer job. Cause it was, you got to pick your own hours and pick the events you were working and, you know, you kind of just made the money you wanted to work for. Um, and then I ended up going, it was my first time going to Europe that September. So I got to go to Italy and Greece and just, you know, live out my best fantasies of all the travels we learn about and hear stories from your classmates. And I came back in that October and I was like, okay, I need to sit down and like really, you know, plan my life. Yeah. And I had applied to a few things in San Diego didn't really stick or they were things that, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel the spark with. It was just me trying to get a foot into some door somewhere. And I'd actually gone up to San Luis Obispo that next January. And I went to visit the office because I, you know, I still, I befriended some on Facebook and just kind of saw what they were doing. And they're like, well, are you looking for a job? And I was like, well, yeah, actually I am. Like, And they're like, well, we just, you know, our event, our event coordinator, our, I guess, special events manager at the time, like just left, like we're, that's the vacancy we're looking to fill. And, you know, reading the job description, it was definitely beyond, you know, the things that I had done with them. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring here. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I get interview experience. You know, I still make great contacts. That's right. Essentially what they did is I did interview for it for the managerial role. And what they actually did is they sort of bumped up a coworker who was already internal to manager so I could be a coordinator. So I didn't have to, they kind of created something a little bit different just for me, because like you said, they knew me, they knew I did, you know, good work for them. I wasn't Mm -hmm. one of those interns who was just kind of trying to skate through to graduation. I was (laughs) super committed. I was loving it. And so that next February I was back up and slow and, you know, doing all of the events that, you know, I had either helped plan or helped execute, but now on staff. So right. it was this weird moment of like, oh my gosh, like I've done this, but now I like get 
paid for it and I like right. make a life out of this and right. it was just a really cool full circle experience. Yeah, for sure. And and there's a there's worse places to have your uh, office than downtown <laughs> slow, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beautiful that's... view. Yeah, it used to be um down there on Garden Street. So we were upstairs. Yeah. So we'd look over Hygera so we could just see, you know, the core of downtown from our window, which yeah. I mean helps, you know, foster the creativity and reminds you of like the job you're doing. But of course. Yeah, beautiful yeah. place to be. I love that. Well, look, I know you had um a couple of other experiences, but I wanna I wanna get to uh trust you and what you're doing there. You've had um you've had several positions from clients, success manager to now product marketing manager. So why don't you um, tell us about um, trust you and what trust you does and, and what you're doing as a product marketing manager for trust you. Absolutely. So trust you is a reputation management and guest feedback platform. We're actually the largest guest feedback platform in the world. Um, and we do, we cater to the hospitality industry. Um, the main focus is hotels, but we do have some niche markets as far as restaurants and DMOs. And mm-hmm. what we do is we provide, um, you know, on a, a simplistic scale for hotels, um, a dashboard where they can kind of see all the reviews that are being left on all of these OTAs. So you have TripAdvisor, Google, Booking.com. And mm-hmm. instead of them having to go to these sites all separately and look at feedback, reply to feedback, we pull it all in, we aggregate it, we give them scores, we give them qualitative data, they can run reports, see how their competitors are doing. Um, we offer a survey products. So you stay at a hotel 24 to 48 hours, you're getting prompted by an email. Thank you for your stay, leave us your feedback. So we, mm-hmm. we power a survey platform as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that is quickly growing um, is the contactless communication. So SMS, WhatsApp, email, because especially right now, people are just trying to make this as seamless as possible. If they do have to stay in a hotel, maybe not so much face-to-face contact, maybe some, you know, something that is more comfortable in the way that they want to communicate their wants and needs. So we have this whole holistic platform that really follows a guest through the entirety of their guest journey from pre-stay, on-site, all the way through post-stay. And I did start on the client success team and going from events to hospitality tech, I was yeah. a little nervous. Uh-huh. They were very blunt in the interview. Like, do you have any tech experience? I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, you know what? We can teach you the tech. We can right. teach you the products. We can teach you the processes. It's like, we need someone. It was, it was very much an attitude interview. It was, are you uh-huh. a go-getter? Are you positive? Like, do you take on challenges well? Are you good uh-huh. at multitasking? Uh-huh. And so I was all purely client-facing for, I'm almost... Gosh, I've been here almost four years now. Yeah. I was purely client facing for about three and a half years of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything to do with, you know, as the job would say, what what can I do to help you be successful within our platform? Because yeah. in turn, they could take that and make really important operational decisions internally mm-hmm. that, you know, boost ROI, which can lead to better ADR, which like, I mean, you know, I'm helping with the platform, but you know, the long-term effects of that is really like what we were striving for. Mm-hmm. And I think I hit a point where anyone in customer service can attest that it is a hard job some days because right. whether it is your fault or not, you're the one who has to deal with it in yeah. a very professional and courteous manner. And, mm-hmm. you know, just make sure that you're very analytical. And mm-hmm. I think I just, after a certain point was like, I don't, this does not spark joy. As I like to say now, you know, it's, it's not right. something that is making me wake up every day. Like, yes, like, let's go to work. Let's do it. Right. So product marketing was an interesting jump actually, because I was feeling very lost. I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. 
And we did have a product marketing role open. And I was like, okay, I took, you know, maybe two marketing classes in college. Like it's also constantly moving. It's incredibly dynamic field, Yeah. but I had probably one of the most experienced product bases in my mind in anyone in the company. So Mm -hmm. I had 50% of, you know, what I needed for this. Right. And I talked to, you know, our VP of marketing and I was like, you know, look, do you see me fitting in here? Like, is it worth me, you know, applying? Is it worth me going through like an internal round? Uh-huh. And everyone who I talked to was incredibly supportive. They were awesome. like, if this is what you want to do, then absolutely. Like, let's throw you through like a round of interviews. Let's have you talk to different people who have different stake, you know, stakes in this. And uh-huh. everyone I went through was just so happy for me. Like, you know what? We actually haven't had a product marketing manager who probably understands the products as well as you do. We can teach you the rest. You know, we'll get you up to speed on, you know, how to do this and how to present right. that. Because it's it's interesting going from something that is so analytical and A plus B equals C, mm-hmm. these three steps are how you do something to now this is very much storytelling. It's how do you, you right. know, how do you sell a product? How do you tell a story to right. make this something that seems like you have to have it? Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a it's been a journey. I just I am actually maybe six weeks into this role now. Um, right, right. But it's it's something that is it's new and it's you know working out different parts of my brain and picking up skills I forgot I even had from college. <laughs> right, of course. Just, you know, it's it's been really exciting so far. Right. Well, you know, since you've left, we've really um we've really doubled down on experience design, obviously with the shift to um, experience industry management, Mm -hmm. you know, that was an, that was an umbrella term, obviously that, that, um, that fit in recreation parks, tourism, sport, um, uh, special event, hospitality, all of those elements. And, um, uh, but, but what we've realized since then is that doubling down on this 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 whole element of of co-creating experiences and and experience design and storytelling and all the things that that you were just talking about and so um, you, you know I think it goes without saying my my next question is you know are are you seeing that co-creation of experiences as being a, a big part of what you do. And I think you just answered that, but if, if you could um, reflect on it a little bit more and what you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. I think, you know, especially from the client success side of things, you were having to create, you know, even if we, I mean, we see all of the bugs, we see the things that we get frustrated with, but you are essentially creating a world for your clients that make them, you know, truly believe that like this makes you successful and let me tell you mm-hmm. why and let's work together on a common goal of like what you're trying to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Well, marketing is all of that. I mean, you have developers, you have everyone, you know, product engineers on the back end whose job it is to put a product on the shelf mm-hmm. and my job is to get it off the shelf. That's so right, it's, right. You know, I'm I'm taking an experience that, you know, I have the product knowledge I can, you know, I could probably sell it if I want to. Sales has never been in the cards for me, but you know, right. we'll see. Right. But you know, for this, it's it's just so interesting, especially I know, and I touched on the teamwork part of things earlier, is you have so many different departments, so many different people, so many different levels between engineers to VPs to C levels, depending on you know the level of um like their uh just involvement in any process. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really interesting when I look back to I feel like every project I did was a group project at some like for, right. for every RPTA class. You know, you were right. you were a part of a puzzle, but it's making sure that all of the other pieces fit naturally as well. Uh-huh. So it's it's very interesting to you can kind of tell 
who probably didn't have a lot of group experience uh-huh. in school or uh-huh. in jobs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's it's very easy for me to look at a situation and be like, look, you know, we don't necessarily need a group leader, but this is like what I think needs to happen. And like, if anyone uh-huh. else disagrees, agrees, like, let's do it this way. If you have uh-huh. suggestions, let's do it that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the group thing is huge. Yeah, that never I, goes I, away. <laughs> right. I bet. Yeah. That, that is one of the things that we discovered in, in, um, in, in researching the book is that employers um, felt like Cal Poly students came into, uh, came into job experiences with way more team way more teamwork, way more group, um, group type, uh, skills. And so that, uh, that was great. Um, you know, I want to ask you, um, this next question is, I, I think you have a unique perspective in, in being on, um, in being on the tech side of hospitality, um, with, with trust you, you know, I know you, you spoke recently about hotel experiences and, um, you know, um, hotels, have had to reinvent themselves over the last um, five years with the um, success of Airbnb and and, um, and VRBO and and, and other um, competitors, right, in the marketplace. So I'm curious um, your perspective on the hotel experience and how hotels can um, can maybe continue to reinvent themselves to because I I think. I think most people who travel nowadays um, consider Airbnb um, and that that's something that they're considering. And that's obviously a competitor that wasn't there five, 10 years ago. So right. what, are, what are your thoughts on, on how hotels can, can change the experience for customers? Yeah. And I, I think there's a one major factor in, you know, the difference between choosing between a hotel and an Airbnb or VRBO is also age. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of a lot of the younger generations who are very tech savvy don't mind staying in someone else's house using, you know, electronic key card to, or keypad to get into a house and communicating mm-hmm. with a host. But then you have those that have just traditionally always stayed in a hotel or always stayed in the same hotel during the same time of year, you know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but in either case, and especially with hotels, it's the, it's personalizing and really enhancing the guest experience. If you can reach out to someone before they even hit your front door or, you know, standing in front of you at the lobby and already maybe asking or sending out a pre-stay survey, like, are you here for a special event? You know, do you have any allergies? Is there something you would like us to be aware of? So when they get there, the check-in experience is A, a lot shorter, but B, you're taking the feedback that you've already gotten and you're like, oh, and it says, you know, happy birthday or happy anniversary or, you know, just something that's like, oh, like, Thank you. You know, it, it personalizes that they're not just, you know, a dollar sign in a room upstairs. They are, you know, a guest at your, you know, at your hotel or your mm-hmm. hostel or whatever you're, you know, they're utilizing the onsite experience, I think is something that's picking up a little bit more too. As I mentioned, contactless communication, you know, you can send them onsite e- while they're um, emails, text messages, you know, WhatsApp, WeChat, whatever, you know, form of communication they're using, mm-hmm. um, making sure that especially while they're on site, you deal with whatever issue it is they have before it ends up on TripAdvisor, Google, mm-hmm. booking.com. So anything you can mitigate while they're still on site mm-hmm. helps you significantly on the back end when they're leaving a review or the choice even just not to leave that scathing review helps as well. So I think anything that they can do to make the pre-arrival and on-site 
you know, right. experience a little bit more robust and personalized is going to mm-hmm. help them in the long run for sure. I gotcha. I, I appreciate that perspective. And I, um, I asked it because, you know, I told you I was recently traveling in North Carolina and, um, and it was actually the first time I had stayed in a hotel in, in quite a while. I I've, I've opted for, for Airbnb, um, over for, for most of my last few trips. And, um, I don't know. I had a couple of negative Airbnb experiences where I was like, this just is not yeah. any, anywhere close <laughs> to what I expected, you know? And it was just like, things weren't working or this wasn't that this, you know, the sheets were bad or whatever, you know? And, um, and so staying at a hotel, I, I, I did see more of that personalization and I did see more of that, um, uh, uh, that generational thing, like you, like you're talking about, you know, I stayed in a hotel where I'm like, oh, this is pretty hip. This, I, I feel kind of hip staying here, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so uh, you can definitely tell that that they're catering to the to the younger generation for sure, and um, and that's a that's a big market. Well, Vanessa, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Um, what a what a great talk, and um, really enjoy um catching up. You know, uh, part of this uh, podcast is is selfish and, and, um, loving, loving, uh, catching up with, uh, with alums and, and former students who, um, who we, um, who we cherish and who we, we want to stay in touch with. And, you know, we don't have a reason to, if we don't have a podcast, so it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's a productive excuse though. You get, you know, exactly. multiple things out of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so thank you so much for paying it forward and, and sharing with, um, with our guests today and, um, just wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. See ya. Bye-bye.